I want to talk to you for a few minutes. Our, our series title, and I've been watch, we've been watching as much as we could online. Um, our Kenya, I mean, uh, Nigeria is a six-hour difference. Kenya is an eight-hour difference. But thank God for the podcasts and all that other stuff. We could catch up with you. We're in a series called The Unmovable God. Today in that series, I want to talk to you about the difficult cases. The difficult cases. <clears throat> There's an unmovable God, but sometimes we can feel like we're facing difficult cases. We're facing cases where there's no way out. Nothing's going to happen good. We're facing those cases where it's too hard for God. And sometimes as Christians and believers, we can stand in a place where we begin to relent, acquiesce, back up, because we think in our heads it's too much for him. We get caught in our human experiences and what humanity has taught us about giving up. And humanity has taught us situations in our life. Well, I'm praying for something my mom prayed for, but it didn't happen for her. So it may not happen for me. So we can get stuck in those places where it is simply difficult. And is this a Father's Day sermon? Yes, it is. But I really want to get this point across first, then I'll deal with fathers at the end. Is that all right with y'all? Good, I'm so glad. I want to use the story of Abraham to talk about difficult cases. Difficult cases. Unmatchable cases in our lives. Stuff that's not supposed to happen at all. Things that are past due. Stuff that is dead. It's dead and you could kick it all you want. It's not coming back to life. It's not just stinking. It's not a body just stinking, but this thing is bones. There's no flesh, no meat, no nothing on it. But God does not move even when it looks too difficult. He doesn't move in what he wants. And I'm telling you standing here today that no matter where you are, God's not moved. And he's not movable. Nothing's going to move him. Genesis 12, this great story of Abraham, and because, because a lot of you read the Bible, because a lot of you read the Bible, you know the story. So I want you to listen like you don't know the story. Because there are people in the room who don't know the story. Amen? So Genesis 12 and 1, we'll start, we'll start at the top of your page. We'll start with, at the top of your page with the promise right there, the promise. And underneath it, write Genesis 12, 1 through 4, and we'll read it on the screen if you don't mind. Now the Lord had said to Abram, he had said, which means he had been saying it for a little bit. He had said, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and then I will make you five things. I'm getting ready to do five things for you. I'm going to do five things for you, Abram. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you offspring. I'm going to make you your name great. You're going to be famous. Everyone's going to know about you. And when anyone hears your name, they're going to applaud that they hear your name. I'm going to make your name great, number two. Number three. You shall be a blessing. I'm not just going to bless you, but I'm going to give you so much in abundance of peace, joy, all these other things. You're going to become a blessing to others. You're not, just going, to, you're not going to be needy. You're going to be able to give out of yourself and never to be depleted. That's a blessing. Number four, then I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it in a way, well, I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. I'm going to make it so... Um, I'm going to make it apropos for people to be good to you. 
because they're going to know that if they're good to you, I'll be good to them. That's a blessing, y'all. Okay? And then lastly, everybody on the planet is going to be blessed by you because Jesus will come out of the heritage and out of the lineage of Abram. So the first thing you've got to do when you're, when you're dealing with an unmovable God, you've got to do this. Write this down. You've got to rehearse what he promised. You've got to know. Not just God's going to bless me, but you need this list. You need to understand what he's promising. What is he promising you? He promised Abraham that he would be a great nation. He promised Martin that he would be a great nation. He promised Martin that he would make his name great. He promised Martin that he would be so blessed that he would become a blessing. He promised Martin that everybody around him, the universe would love him. He promised, he promised Martin that everybody on the planet would be blessed by something he did. So I said, Martin, you can say your name. Yeah, you can say your name. Because God wants to bless you in the same way he blessed Abraham. And in the New Testament, it says that we have been brought into this new covenant by Father Abraham. So whatever God promised him is what I can expect for myself. Am I right about that in this church this morning? Right? So now he says, I'm going to bless you, and now we have to understand. I want to make sure you get this point, because when people read this verse, they typically say words like this. Well, your family doesn't think like you do. There are people around you who don't think like you do, so you need to leave your mother and your father. And and your mother and father don't get it. They don't get you. Your friends don't get you. And when they teach this, they start helping people become islands, where eventually you're out there by yourself with nobody around you to help you. This scripture is not about leaving the people who brought you where you are. This scripture is about leaving a country in your mind. It's about leaving a mindset. It's about leaving a consciousness and getting into a different consciousness. You can and should be able to change in whatever environment you're in. The land that God wants for you may be in your head, but you've got to understand you can walk to a place. You can go more places in your mind than you can fly to. Amen? So God is saying, listen, I'm not telling you to leave anybody. I'm telling you to leave your old state of consciousness, and getting to a new belief system. You hear what I'm saying? So you've heard from God that there is something bigger. And through your faith is how you get there. It's going to take faith, right? So the Bible says immediately Abraham left. In an instant, Abraham left in his mind where he had been. If God wants something bigger for me, I'm ready to receive it. Say it. If God wants something bigger, So now, to get to that different place, I've got to change mindset. I've got to change how I think. If I want to build a nation, if I want to build a nation, I've got to make sure that my mind thinks correctively about my wife. I've got to change how I see things. I've got to upgrade my thinking. I've got to see her as a matriarch for 10 generations. I've got to change how I see money. I've got to change how I see power. I've got to change how I see fame. I've got to change how I see opposition. Because once you're in this place, there is no opposition. And life will put me in situations so that I can learn how to change. That's what it's all about. Are, you, are we still together? Next, I want you to go to this scripture. I want you to go to this scripture in Genesis 15 and 1. Because... Sometimes when God 
will promise you and you have it written down. Mind you, I'm not talking about dreams today. I'm not talking about your desires. I'm not talking about stuff you want. I'm not talking about stuff that, that you will come say. It's on your dream list. I'm not talking about your dream list. I'm talking about something God promised. Something he shared with you. A desire he put in your heart. And now you have it written down. And in this next scripture, 25 years have passed. And nothing has happened. In Genesis 15, in Genesis 15 and 1, 25 years. He was 75 years old, if you, if you kept reading. He was 75 years old when God first appeared to him. And now God's appearing to him one more time. And watch, watch what Abraham says in the first verse. But Abraham said to God, God says, I'm here, Abraham. I am your great and exceeding reward. I got you covered. Abraham wants to talk to God about this subject. My waiting is very frustrating. My waiting on you is very frustrating. You've told me what you were going to do, and I was fine with it because I thought you said you were going to do it, and it was getting ready to happen. But it's been 25 years with no change. And I have been walking around this desert with my wife and all these people. <laughs> and you have, well, let me, maybe I should just read it. <laughs> maybe we should read it together. Read it. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing? And the heir of my house is. Abraham says, I got a guy that was born in my house named Eliezer. He's going to be the heir of everything I built. You told me I was going to be a great nation. I'm not a great nation. What are you going to give me? I have no heir. I have no child. This, this waiting for you can be frustrating. Waiting on God after he gives you a promise can be frustrating. Have I said it enough? That time between God said it and it happens and manifested is different in every case. And it depends on what he's trying to teach you in the process. Come on, talk to me. What he's trying to teach me in the process is more important than what he promised me. So there is some stuff God promised you. You know it. It's written in ink and it's past due time for it. But I'm just telling you, God has not moved on this thing. He's not moved. I walked into a country in Kenya where 11 or so years ago, they shut the country down to me. Okay, some of the elders know. We built, we built churches there. We built hospitals, community centers. We, we helped the state. We, we anointed a king. We did all that stuff, and one day after we had spent the money, they simply wrote us and told us, thank you for all you've done in Kenya, and no, you're no longer associated with us. Listen to what I'm saying. And I gave Joshua and the staff, I said, this is what we're going to teach that month I'm going to Kenya. We're going to teach unmovable God, and I'm going to plan a trip to Kenya. I'm just going. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to walk up in there because God promised me that I would be a blessing to that nation. Ask your neighbor, what, 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 what? Can I believe in something that's impossible? Can I not believe in a door that was closed that God would open? Can I believe, can I believe in something that seems like it'll never happen? I think I can. I think I should. And you know what? I think you should. I think you should believe in stuff that's not supposed to happen, that nobody believes will happen. 
I believe even in your own mind, you're not sure if it ever come to pass. But I believe you should believe in it anyway. What else do you have to do with your time but believe? Tell your neighbor, you ain't got nothing else to do. You don't have anything else to do but believe in what God told you. That's all you got. And it's all you need. That one thing he promised you is enough to fuel you. To get you to where you're going. To experience. I don't have any offspring. This guy born in my house shall be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. I ain't backing up. I know you old now, but this is not going to be your heir, some adopted guy in your house. I'm going to give you a son. Listen to me. From your own body. From your own body, I'm going to give you a son. From your own mind, I'm going to birth an idea. From your own failings and failing God, I'm going to pop up in the middle of your poop. And a tree is going to grow there. In the middle of your mistakes, in the middle of your lostness, in the middle of your children losing their minds, God says, just hang on. I'm going to turn your kids around. I'm going to turn them around, and one day they're going to serve me. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm a father, and I will go to hell and back for my kids, but I'll never leave them in hell. They got to come out if I'm their daddy. Come on, shout for two seconds right there. Shout and lift your voice. So, okay, so he brought him outside, showed him all this stuff, showed him the stars and everything, and he promised him all this stuff. Here's what you got to remember. Just because, just, because, just because you believe doesn't mean it's going to manifest immediately. Just because you're using your faith doesn't mean it's going to be snap of a finger. It might take some time, but God never moves. He is unmovable. Next, he shows him in in verse 8. He shows him in verse 8 because Abraham wants to understand something. You just told me that me and my wife, we're going to get together physically. And she's going to get pregnant. Now, I'm just saying, God, that right there in itself (laughs) is huge. Me and my wife together physically. I'm 100. She's 90. So I want to know how are we going to make this happen without Viagra and some other steroids for her? What, 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 no, no, I want to, I want to understand this. This, this is the Hebrew now. Hebrew. Hebrew language is very... So explain to me how this is going to happen. God says, forget, forget all that. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Verse 8. The Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And he said, bring me all these animals. Cut them in half. 
God walked in the figure eight, which is affinity, in the middle of the blood and guts. He walked. And Abraham, Abram, is, is upset because the buzzards, the, 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 the fowl of the air, begin to eat the sacrifice. And God put Abram to sleep. So he said, you lay down, let me walk, and let me talk. This is what you have to understand now. I want to take some pressure off you. Write that in your notes. Pastor Martin, get ready to take some pressure off me. Pastor Martin's getting ready to take some pressure off me. See, this covenant right here is not a covenant with you and God. This covenant right here is a covenant from God to you. This is not something you're promising him. This is something he's promising you. He doesn't need anything from you except your faith. So he's saying to you, just go to sleep. There's, there's a man driving 70 miles an hour in California on an interstate, on the expressway in his Tesla, taking a nap. His Tesla is driving. He is slumped. I mean, head to the side, mouth open, sleep at 65 miles an hour. That's sort of what it's like. Being with God, knowing he's doing all the work, but I'm really at rest. I'm really at peace. It, off, outside of me, there are a bunch of people taking pictures. What's wrong with him? He needs to be awake. They don't understand Tesla, but he needs to be awake. All of us out here, he has our lives in danger. Do you know, okay, do you know the airplane is safer on autopilot than a human flying it? Your life is safer around people who are driving their car. Your life is safer around Christians who are letting God lead than around a bunch of people who are saying, well, you know, God told me something. And it changes every week. You're, you're better off letting God drive. It's a covenant. It's not a contract that's dual. It's a single signature on this contract. And God is the signature. It's a promise that he's making you, Abraham. How do I know I will inherit it? Because I'm God. And there is no other one like me. I don't have to lie to you. I'm not a man that needs to lie or manipulate or try to move you around. When I tell you something, I'm going to do it. You go to sleep. Enjoy your life. Does that make sense? The significance right here, write this down. The significance is that we make our own struggles. When we're dealing with God, we manufacture problems. <laughs> when there are no problems. We manufacture issues that aren't issues. We build stuff out of our human experience. And unfortunately, out of our Christian experience, he may not come when you, but he's always on time. God may not answer your prayers. There's a time God turns a deaf ear to you, they say. There's a time that if you make a mistake, God doesn't hear you for the rest of your life. And in this story, we find out that Abraham made some mistakes. He had children by, it wasn't illegal, but he had a child by his wife's servant. 
But Ishmael is not the answer for the dream God gave you. Write this down. God does not need my help. Just my faith. Please write it down for me. Act like you're writing it down. Put it in your device. Put it, put, put, put it in there. What did I say? God, what? I heard some of y'all say God needs my help. That's not what I said. <laughs> okay, good. God <laughs> does not need my help. Am I yelling? I feel like I am. Okay. God does not need my help. He just needs me to believe and stay out of his way. If I can get out of his way and let him be God and rejoice, as soon as I start moving stuff and moving people and trying to set it up that I win, I'm actually messing with the chess game that I'm not even supposed to be playing. So every time I move a pawn that wasn't supposed to be moved, now I'm just adding to my time for God to fix this thing for me. Have you ever worked anywhere and hired somebody and trained them, and all they did all day is do stuff you didn't tell them to do? What did you have to do? Come on, talk to me. If, if you know, you know, some, of y'all, some of y'all who lead now, you, what did you have to do? When they're doing stuff they're not supposed to do, because they don't know what's happening everywhere, they just start moving stuff as they see fit. What do you have to do as their leader? You got to go back and fix some stuff that they got wrong. And God, because we so much in his way, doing stuff we shouldn't do, instead of just waiting on Sarah one hot night in the summer, now he got Ishmael by Hagar, and God's got to take all these years just fixing. What am I going to do with Ishmael? I got to work out this thing with Ishmael. He came from Abraham. I didn't want Ishmael. Abraham brought Ishmael up in here, so I got to situate Ishmael. It takes me years to get Ishmael situated. I got to fix what's happening between Hagar and now her mistress. uh, 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 What's her name? Sarah. I got to build an inheritance for this boy because he came out of Abraham. Now, finally, I'm coming to talk to Abram about this whole thing. We have to trust God to play this game of life for us. So say this with me. Number four, I think. Say this with me. No alternative promises. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. There's not going to be an alternative to what I said. If I said you're going to do it, you're going to do it. If I said you're going there, you're going there. If I told you to go to Kenya, I want you to go. Don't tell nobody you're going. Don't ask nobody for nothing. I'm going to show you that I'm in it. Either I'm in it or I'm not in it, and I'm in it. I told you to do something, and no one can shut down any country to you that I'm calling you to. What I say? What did I say? Ain't, there ain't no person on this planet, even if they vote for it, even if they make it against the law, if God wants you to do it, experience it, go there, there ain't nobody that's going to maybe keep you out. Not even people that hate you, people that talk about you. It's not, there can be a law against it. God will change the law right there where you're at. 
everything God wants for you. There is no way he's going to move on it. So, so here's what it says. In Genesis 17, I'm almost done. Genesis 17, 17. Then Abraham fell on his face. God is coming to talk to him. Send those three angels the next week. Let me send these three angels to talk to you because y'all ain't hearing me at all, Abram, Sarah. Y'all not trying to hear me. Y'all not hear me. So I'm going to send someone else to talk to you. When the angels talk to him, then Abraham, Abraham, people don't know this. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart. He didn't say it out loud. People give Sarah a hard time for laughing. Abraham laughed first. Listen, 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 let me come over here. Abraham or husband, you can't look at your wife, your Sarah, and disbelieve whether she can give birth to your dream. Because a dream will never be birthed because that's your wife. We're not doing Ishmael in here. Y'all got quiet on me up in here. I switched on you. Sarah, you can't look at Abraham and laugh. That's your man. (laughs) That's what you got. (laughs) You can't look at Abraham and say his seed's not worthy of my womb. And Abraham can't say her womb is not worthy of my seed. So everything, every idea, everything, everything God has for me, I have to share it with her first. And Abraham is taught here that Ishmael is not the will of God for him, though he blesses Ishmael. So listen to what he says. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, let's forget about me having a son. Why don't you bless Ishmael? (laughs) Okay. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He's saying, God, thank you so much for coming to see me. What would you do if God showed up, you brushing your teeth, and right next to you, God showed up in the mirror? Standing next to you, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you remember when I was talking to you about uh, doing this thing? What would you do? Hmm? You would walk out of the bathroom. You would swallow the toothpaste and the, probably the toothbrush. It would freak you out. And shoot, if he sent three angels to come and talk to you, walking with you, can't nobody else see him but you? Then God said to Abram, he said this. He said, no. Read it. Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall, and I will establish my, for an, no fake babies in here. No illegitimate dreams. Nothing that's not like God is going to give birth in your life. Everything that God wants for you will give birth. And he will shut down everything else until you're ready to have spiritual children with him. 
until you're ready to deliver your dreams. Stop playing penny ante and hanging out and just trying to make it through life. God's getting ready to get serious in your life. He's getting ready to give birth to some big things, and you got to be ready for this. I'm talking to you. He's going to have 12 sons. Where's Isaac? Come here, Isaac. Come here. Come here and stand before me. The name Isaac, turn and look at me. The name Isaac means laughter. It means happiness and joy. In the Hebrew, it means Isaac will have the last laugh. So while everybody is laughing at Isaac, Isaac is cool and calm. He don't know nothing. He don't know why he's going up a mountain. He don't understand his dad. He don't understand none of this stuff. But God says to Isaac, laugh at me because I will have. That's what the name means. The name Isaac means last laugh. Write that down. <laughs> Praise God. God established a covenant. So God knows exactly how he's going to do it. There won't be any alternatives. God's plan is wrapped in his plan for you. So everything God is planning for you, preparing for you, is in how you walk it out every day. So here's the last one. In chapter 18, 10. Chapter 18, 10 through 15. It says, and he said, I will certainly, did I say? 18, 10 through 15, you there? And he said, uh, I will surely return to you when the season comes around. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening and heard it at the tent door, which was behind them. So they didn't see her, but she's listening to them. Now, Abram and Sarah were old, well advanced in years, is past due, and had ceased to be with Sarah as with young women. He went, they weren't doing nothing. Is that clear? Okay. She was past the age of childbearing. Next verse. Therefore, Sarah laughed to herself like Abram did, saying, after I have become aged, shall I have the pleasure and delight, my Lord, my husband, being old? Big Daddy coming in the room tonight? And the Lord, and the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Read it with me. Why did she, why did Sarah laugh? Oh, here's my point. Go back. Ask yourself out loud, why is Sarah laughing? Why is she laughing? Why is she laughing? Why is she laughing? She's laughing because it's an impossibility to have this joy again and to get pregnant, to carry something for nine months. It's, it's funny to her. It is amusing, and it's kind of ridiculous. For, this, for, for, for God to be even talking to me about this, this is funny. Where I am in my age and the stuff I've been through and all these impossibilities around me, it's funny for God to talk to me. This is interesting. 
But this is not an interesting conversation. This is the creator of all things having a conversation with someone, telling them what he's getting ready to do. You can be so deep in disappointment and have so much history of failure that when God finally comes and says to you, now, you're like, oh, oh, yeah? Now. Now. I was taught because I wasn't the fastest on the team, the coach said, we're going to work on your starting, Williams. And I was upset because I'm the only one staying after track practice in college, working on the start. And that's all he would work on me on. Everybody's laughing, walking up the hill, going to the door. <laughs> Williams out there working on his start. Williams, I want to teach you how to anticipate the gun going off. I want you to learn at least five different cadences of ready, set. I want you to hear them in your head and replay them in your mind because that millisecond will be the difference of you placing or not placing. He knew I needed a scholarship. I couldn't afford school. So he made me work on my start. And I'm telling you, in every race I would place, secure my scholarship. And say, hey, praise God, I'll take it. But it was only because I could anticipate when the gun was going to go off. If you're one millisecond behind when God says go, one second of, oh, God, is this you? <laughs> is this your will? Is this your timing? One millisecond causes you to not place. Can cause you to lose the race. When God says, I'm doing it, you need to move forward with what he's telling you to do at that time. That's how it works. Am I making sense? Okay, so now watch this. Sarah was listening. Abraham was old. And now the angel asks this question. Is anything too hard for God? Think about the question for a minute. All young people, stop thinking about what you're thinking about and think about the question I just asked you. Is there anything too hard for God? Ask yourself the question so it registers in your mind. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? Are there any difficulties in your life that are too hard for God? Are there? Just, just understanding who he is first, ask yourself the question, is there anything? Can God rejuvenate ovaries? I mean, no, well, no, no, what we're asking is, does he have the ability? Can he? Can God, can he? Can he, not will he, can he restore a family that's so fractured it'll never come to pass? 
Can he? Can God deliver a physical body from death? Can he? So there is nothing that God can't do. If that is the case, my job is to simply believe. It's all I can do. It's all I need to do. Are you here? I don't really need to do anything else except believe. But as soon as I don't believe, it becomes impossible for God. As soon as I decide not to use my faith, it becomes impossible for him. He can't move in a place where there is no faith. So my job is simply to believe. Because there's nothing too hard for him. Significance here. Significance here. Just because you're doubting doesn't mean he's not working. Hmm? Just because it's past due doesn't mean he's not going to do it. If it's past due, whose mind is it past due in? Is it past due in God's mind or yours and mine? Ours. God has his timing. He knows exactly what he is doing. Does that make sense? Then let me say this to you and let me end with one little story for men at the end. It's possible for me to become removed from God and who he is because the society is plastered on my mind. So I can't see him for who he is because of what I see around me. Because of what I hear people saying. Because of the negative testimonies I hear out of other people's mouths. I can't believe for myself. Make sense? We can get caught up in how things happen naturally. And now we're limiting God based on our abilities. You can't, you can't, God can't do that. What I'm really saying is God can't do that because I can't do that. I can't perceive him doing it. And because I can't perceive him doing it, I don't believe he's doing it. So here's what happened in Abraham's life. Genesis 22. Fathers, listen to me for a few minutes here. Fathers, grandfathers, men who have a dream, you may think it's past due. You may think it's never going to happen. <laughs> Met a guy in Nigeria, he was 25. He said, I just don't believe I'll ever get married. <laughs> He's been ready to be married for a long time. I said, I said brother, wait on it. Wait, wait, wait. 25, is, you, ain't, you ain't old. Wait on it. Wait on it. Because you marry the wrong person, it take five years to make you 50. So just wait on it. <laughs> You're not behind. God's not late. <laughs> the first verse. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abram. Isaac is born and Isaac is 30 years old now. Isaac, Jesus, Elisha, all the people, David, 
all these great people you see walking to their destiny, they were 30 first. Because that's the law. Everything in the Bible is written on law. So Isaac is 30 years old. Jesus was 30 when, 33 when he was sacrificed. He was 30 when he entered his ministry. So this is him entering. Isaac is entering his ministry with his father. You haven't heard much about Isaac and dad, but here's the biggest story that starts their relationship for us. We together? Okay. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abram, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take your, read it, take your son, your, and we're, and we're, and, and, and we're reading, uh, uh, take your son, your only son, and what do you want to do with him? Whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Next verse. Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Next verse. Too good. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar. Mount Moriah, right? And Abraham said to his young men, stay here. The lad and I will, and we will come. Watch him. Watch, watch from now. Watch Abraham. So Abraham took the wood, took the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them are going together up the mountain to make Isaac the sacrifice. Let's keep reading. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, what did he say? Hey, Dad, uh, I've been doing this with you for 30 years. I get the fire, I get the wood. But where is the lamb? I've never seen you do this without a lamb. My son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Pre-telling of Jesus, but let's stay where we are. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood on the altar, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am again. What are we doing? And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know. Phrase. Now I know. It's a phrase. Now I know that you fear me since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Next verse. Hmm. Then Abraham looked up and glanced around, and behold, behind him was what? Here's what I want to say to you. Everyone is not going to understand. Everyone's not going to understand the promise God gave you. So when it comes time, when it comes time for God to do what he promised, 
you can't take everybody with you. If he had took those boys up the mountain with him and put out a knife to kill his son, they may have interrupted. Because they didn't understand what Abram was doing. Why didn't Abram nor Isaac give God our time about the sacrifice? Why didn't they? Because they had gone through this process together. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 19. Hebrews 11, 19 explains it. Because there are some men, there may be one of you, there may be two of you, but there are some men, some dads, some granddads, some, some men who are taking care of nephews and nieces or foster children or whatever you're doing in the world. And you may be in the place now where you're thinking, this is difficult. My case is not like everyone else's. The position I'm in is a tough place to be. And I'm here to tell you, there is no difficult case. God wanted to prove this to, God wanted to prove this to his people, so he asked his prophet to have a relationship with the prostitute. He said, I don't just want you to have a relationship with her, I want you to marry her. Made no sense. But at the end, God said, I wanted you to do that so I could show you. So I could show you that it doesn't matter where you are. As long as you see me as God, I can restore anything. Doesn't matter what it is. This is, this is what, hey, go up to the verse, go up to verse 17, please. Okay, read it with me. It's, it's, it's amplified, so it has some stuff in there. Read it. By faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress, had already, what? He had already brought Isaac for an offering. Abraham knew that when Isaac was born, that this day was coming. So he prepared for it. How did he prepare for it? He who had gladly received and welcomed God's promises. Abraham saw God bigger than his promises. Sometimes God can't give you what he's promised because he knows as soon as your heart has it, you change. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that when people get, some people, when they get what they want, when they get what God told them, what he give them, they change. They don't worship at the front anymore. They sit in the back and they start treating people weird. It's like, what happened? When God gives you something, he expects you to come to the altar more. And pour out your life. That keeps the giving from God going. Do you know something? Have you, have you ever had to spend eight hours over water that is three miles deep? No, no, no. In a plane. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Come on, Midwest. Y'all got to get out of here. The world's bigger than Omaha. Have you ever spent eight hours, I mean, 12-hour flight, eight hours over water? And four pilots up front, you don't know. And the plane starts shaking. Seatbelt sign comes on. I am asking the attendants to take their seat. 
you wake up for real and you playing no patty cake with God you ain't heavenly father thou is we come it's before thee uh-uh you are rumbo you is not playing Because in that moment, you realize that if there's not a God, this is not going to come out well. Because those guys up front, I'm sitting in a place on the plane where I can see them taking turns going to sleep. J yes, oh my Lord. Listen to what he says. Though Isaac shall be your descendants... Be reckoned. Come on. Next verse. For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up. Even, indeed, in the sense that Isaac was already dead. So when God came to him, men, when God came to him and said, I want you to sacrifice the one thing I promised you. The one thing I told you you could have, I want you to lay it down for me. Abraham said, yes, sir, because I know it's getting ready to happen. I know it's getting ready to happen. If I lay this down, if I give this to you, then it, the promise is, has to happen. Even if you have to raise him from the dead. This thing is not even dead when he dies. Can I tell you something? Your marriage is not dead even though it's dead. You filed bankruptcy, but your finances are not dead even though they're dead. You have a diagnosis that says you're going to die, but you're not dead. Everything, God can cause it to rise from the dead. Doesn't matter what it is.